0: Kelsey Hancock is a photographer, travel blogger, and resident of San Diego, California, and was commissioned as an officer in the United States Marine Corps in 2015. She was sent to a few different states, but ultimately found herself on Camp Pendleton in San Diego, California. Kelsey was a communications officer and served on active duty for four years. While stationed on Pendleton, she reconnected with a guy she knew from college, Norwich University in Vermont, Nicholas Losapio also a captain in the Marine Corps, and an MV-22 Osprey pilot. Nick was the love of Kelsey's life. They dated for several months and then moved into their first apartment together in September of 2020, got engaged January 16th of 2021 in Mammoth Lakes, California. Their wedding date was set for August 4th, 2022 in San Diego. On June 8th, 2022, Nick was flying a routine training flight, near El Centro, California, with his co-pilot and three other crew members. It was a typical day at the office for him. A weapons and tactics instructor, WTI, which can easily be described as the equivalent of Top Gun, and one of the most experienced and well-versed Osprey pilots on the West Coast, if not the entire Marine Corps, Nick's plane went down due to reasons still under investigation. He and four other Marines on the plane perished in the mishap. Kelsey's whole world was turned upside down as she lost her best friend and love of her life. Today, Kelsey and I talk about her story of meeting and falling in love with Nick and what happened on June 8th when Nick passed away and what life has been like for her since. We also talk about the personal mission she feels called to be on to help other people who are in similar circumstances as she was when Nick passed away as a loved one, but not yet a spouse of someone who passes away in active duty. Kelsey is working hard to keep her home and her life together, and her story really touched my heart. The GoFundMe that her friends created has been, she says, the biggest blessing of all since Nick's passing. And if you'd like to donate, you can through the link in today's show notes. Okay, Kelsey, I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks so much for being willing to come and share your beautiful story. Um, I would love to just start. I know we're going to talk about you and Nick a lot, but I would love to just start with you and talk about a little bit um, about where you grew up and then why you were interested in the Marines and just that journey up until that point, if that's okay.
1: Sure. So I grew up in Southern Maryland. I'm an East Coaster naturally, and I, I guess it was the community that I was in. I mean, we were surrounded by military bases and a lot of my friends growing up had parents in the military. Neither of my parents were in the militaries and I was the oldest of fours. And I was just like, hey, I want to, I think I want to join the military. And I don't think I actually knew what the Marine Corps was. When I was little, but I knew that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> I just wanted oh, wow. to be in the Marines. I think ever since fourth grade, I just was like, I think I'm gonna I wanna be a Marine. Yeah. I applied to the Service Academy and in Annapolis. I applied to the Air Force Academy, West Point, you know, just to at least get into an academy. But I ended up landing at Norwich University, which is the oldest private military university in the country. Wow. It's the birthplace of ROTC it's pretty much paved the way for a lot of firsts. The first African-Americans to be at a military school, the first women to be allowed at the military school, the first LGBTQ association at a military school. So a lot of firsts and it was a great experience. I think growing up, I just wanted to make a difference and I wanted to do something that was really tough. And I think I got tired of a lot of people telling me I couldn't do something because I was a girl. Yeah. I was in the business of proving people wrong when I was a kid. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. I love
0: that. So how did you end up from going from there to San Diego?
1: After I graduated from Norwich, I commissioned as a second lieutenant and I ended up having to go, and all officers do this. You go to Quantico for six months. It's called the basic school. You learn how to be a rifle platoon commander. And so I went to that course, and then I got sent to my MOS school, which stands for Military Occupational Specialty. So it's basically your job in 29 Poms. And I was I was given the role of communications officer. So I went to communications school for six months. In 29 Ponds. And then I got stationed at Camp Pendleton. And it's actually a pretty funny story how I landed those orders because I didn't have orders to Camp Pendleton originally. I actually had orders to Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. And there was an individual in my class who wasn't super stoked about his set of orders. I was originally going to an infantry unit and I was fine doing that. I didn't really want to go to North Carolina. He didn't want to go to California and he didn't want to be in a logistics group. So he was like, Hey, Kelsey, do you want to see if the instructors will let us swap orders? And I'm like, Where are you going? He goes, Camp Pendleton. I'm like, 100% let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot of people's dream. Yeah. yeah. And so they, they agreed and we swapped orders. And then I, I ended up being stationed on Camp Pendleton. Wow. Mm -hmm. But
0: that's actually not where you met Nick, right? No.
1: Nick and I actually met in college at Norwich. He was two years ahead of me. And the school has a very interesting demographic being a military university. There's a rank structure and a Corps of Cadets program. So when you're a freshman, you kind of go through an indoctrination process. You get trained by upperclassmen who are Called your cadre, and they are responsible for taking you through the entire first year of training, learning the ropes of being a cadet, you know, making sure you're you're doing your schoolwork. Mm-hmm. You know they have a little bit of fun with us. Nick was cadre for another company adjacent to mine, but he was also a Marine option like myself in the Naval Battalion, and that's how I met him. Okay. And then
0: how did you guys end up crossing paths again? I, I think it
1: was, it was 2018. I was in a bit of a funk and I think I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm a big outdoorsy person. I love hiking and camping and I used to get away a lot and just kind of escape and reconnect and recenter. And I I had realized that I hadn't done that in a long time. So I reached out to some of my other college friends who were stationed out here. And I said, hey guys, I'm planning a camping trip to Zion National Park for Columbus Day weekend or Indigenous Peoples Weekend. We have four days off. I'm leaving this day at this time with or without you. If you want to come rally the troops. And one of my best friends, Marty Polis, who's also a really good friend to Nick he said got it I'll I'll wrap up the people so he invited Nick and I didn't I really wasn't close with Nick (laughs) in college I actually thought he and his friends were knuckleheads and I wasn't a huge fan (laughs) so when I found out that my friend invited him I was like oh man like that guy really (laughs) Marty was like it'll be fine Anyway, Nick became very smitten with me on that, that camping trip. We talked a lot. We, we talked the entire hike that we hiked. It was Angel's Landing and Mm. it was probably one of the most beautiful hikes I've ever been on in my life. Yeah. I just remember like taking these, I, I do photography. So I remember taking these pictures of him and only him. And like, I, I wasn't, I didn't think I was into him, but I'm like, how he's sitting right now, like on this rock, having a sip of his water and like just chilling. It's really beautiful picture. I'm going to take it. I don't know. He asked me for my number after that. And he asked me on a date, but I stiff armed him a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I wasn't ready.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it took a few tries, but then you finally ended up going out obviously did, at it. some point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was the best day yeah. I've ever been on in my life. Oh, really? Hands, Tell us about the date. Hands down. I think I knew I was in trouble <laughs> because he planned everything. I've I've been in long-term relationships before. I've, I've been in, in previous relationships. And the amount of effort that Nick put into taking me out was like tenfold in comparison to wow. any other relationship I'd been in. It first started with meeting at his apartment, which I'd been to because our friends, you know, hung out. I do not advise going to someone's house on the first date, FYI, (laughs) disclosure. (laughs) Um, We just talked and it was like a nice icebreaker because we were in like a familiar place. We had like a glass of wine and then he had reservations for wine tasting. So we went wine tasting and then... One of our really good friends works at an art gallery. And so he had planned for her to have a bottle of champagne and wine glasses at the gallery. And He took me to this art gallery and our friend was there. There's champagne. We walked around, looked at art. And then he had reservations to dinner. I, like, I'd i never been on a date with someone who like, made reservations for us. Yeah, like, I was like, <laughs> what? This is super cool. Yeah. He knew I liked live music. So he picked a night where they were playing live music and we sat right next to the band and we talked about life and boundaries and expectations and like what we're looking for and our our life goals and I just felt such a huge click with him and I was like I'm I'm toast (laughs) yeah oh that's so sweet so when was the start of all of that it was uh, literally, it was a month later after that camping trip. It was November, 2018. We had our first date. And then he asked me to be his girlfriend in December. And then he told me, I love you first, um, the day after Valentine's Day, that, that following February.
0: Yeah. So then what did life look like for you guys as far as what you were up to? You're both on Pendleton. I know you said at one point that you, it's, it's not like you quit that you.
1: Oh, I, I fulfilled my service obligation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did get out well, three months after Nick and I started dating, he deployed to Kuwait. Oh, okay. <laughs> so okay. I was still active that year. I didn't get out until October, 2019. I I had the opportunity to deploy and extend my contract. I would literally have been, I would have left in October, 2019, and I was getting out in October, 2019. Mm. And there was a little part of me that said, yeah, I think I kind of want to do that. But Nick was coming home from deployment, October, mm. 2019, we would have high-fived and I would have gone and he would have come home and I was like, for the first time in my life, I feel like this is the right thing. And I have a stable relationship with someone who respects me and cares about me. And I'm good. I'm done. I'm going to get out. So I got out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So then he stayed active. And then what were you up to at that time?
1: I landed um, a job in biotech. I was a business systems analyst. I really liked it. I mean, I was looking for a remote. Job off the bat, but it was kind of hard to find. And then three months later, COVID happened, and then we were all working from home. So yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. I started a travel blog. You know, I like photography, I like writing, I like blogging, and I like looking for other ways, other unconventional ways to earn a living. So I yeah, not stuck in corporate America. That's the that's the dream. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of that stuff on the side. We moved in together. In 2020, we got an apartment together, and then he deployed again not long after that. I bought a house (laughs) while he was deployed and moved us into this house, and he came back from that deployment in October 2021, and I've just, I've been doing a lot of the same things, travel blogging, photography, up until this point, there's been a massive pivot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So tell me what it's like to be in a relationship with someone when they're deployed, because I can only imagine, like, it'd probably be really difficult in a lot of ways, but maybe maybe special in other ways. I,
1: both, yes. You're you yeah. spot on with that. It's difficult emotionally because you're you're away from your partner. I would say there are types of deployments that are more difficult than others because communication is limited. Nick and I were very fortunate where we were literally able to talk every day. If it was, even if it was just a text message, we at least got to call every couple of days or FaceTime once a week. The distance sucked and not being physically near each other sucked, but Nick and I were very independent people and we, we did very well apart and we did very well together. I would always see those as opportunities to really miss him. And then opportunities to focus on some things for myself. And I'm I can't sit still. I always have something going on. My friends will tell you, like it's just never a dull moment with Kelsey. <laughs> like I always doing something crazy or ridiculous or trying a new hobby or something. So I really leaned into to prioritizing myself and working on my house and renovating and doing flooring and learning how to do my staircase <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, so for us it was it was okay, but also in hindsight, I think Nick, Nick, and I were away from each other for about half of our relationship, and it was really because of deployments, exercises, and there's a challenge there. But I also I have the perspective of also being in the Marine Corps, and I know what it's like to be a service member and really just needing your partner to be supportive of you. So yeah, I think it made it a little bit easier on us because. I think sometimes it can easily be fabricated that why doesn't my spouse just come home like at a reasonable time? Why can't they just tell their boss they need to come home? It's like, well, it doesn't always work that way. And they're not staying late at work because they don't love you. It's because they have to. And so it's a perspective I understood. And yeah, um, but we would always make time for each other. We had date night every week. If it wasn't a Wednesday night or a Thursday night, because somebody was working on the weekends, we always had a date night. And he was actually very good about prioritizing that, which I really appreciated. That's awesome. So then
0: you guys got engaged, right? Mm-hmm. So tell me about that. Yeah, we got
1: engaged on January 16th, 2021. It was, and he wanted to do it before this last deployment that he went on. So kind of a little bit of a funny story before is that Nick doesn't drive. Nick was a pilot. He liked to fly everywhere. I, on the other hand, didn't mind driving. I think personally, I am a much better driver than Nick was. Um, (laughs) He really scared me (laughs) sometimes when we were driving. So it was more often than not, I was driving us everywhere. If it was like date night or, you know, on a road trip, I was mostly me driving. and Then he would, he would drive for a little bit and then he would say, I'm tired. And, <laughs> pull over and I would take over, but I knew something was up because all also I would plan all of our trips. If we were to go somewhere, I would do all the planning. I would find the place we were staying or the hotel or the Airbnb. This time in particular, Nick was like, you know, you've been really wanting to like rent a sprinter van. I think that would be super cool. I'm like, yeah, it would be super cool to rent a sprinter van and go travel for a weekend. It's cool. I'm going to look into it. I'm like, sounds good. And he did all this research and he was like, well, I found one. I think we can, we should do this. And maybe we go with like some of our friends. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. I'm like, you know, do you you want me to like help you with anything? He's like, oh, no, no, I got it. I'm like, Okay. So he's, you know, he's planning this trip We're everything's packed up. We got the Sprinter van and he gets in the driver's seat. Okay. I'm half anticipating in like an hour to take over. So, yeah. Um, but he drives the entire six hours to Mammoth Lakes, California. I even asked him, I'm like, do you need a break? Do you want me to drive? he goes, no, 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 I got it. In hindsight, I think he was just really nervous. <laughs> so he needed yeah. something to do. We went with some of our really dear friends, um, Trish and Mike. Trish is an Osprey, oh, they're both, Trish and Mike are both Osprey pilots as well. And Nick flew with Trish in the same squadron. And they rented the Sprinter van too. And we just kind of convoyed to Mammoth Lakes. And I guess the goal was that Nick was going to pop the question and Trish was going to take the pictures. Uh, We went to Hot Spring. Um, He didn't ask me then. But we were setting up our campsite. I was like taking pictures of everything and hanging up lights and just being Kelsey and uh, he was cooking us dinner in the van. And he kept saying, like, Kels, come on, dinner's ready. I'm like, I'm taking pictures. Hold on, I'll be there a second. It's like, can you please come in and <laughs> come in and eat your dinner? And I was like, okay, hey, yeah, sure, I'll come in. And he made tacos with ground turkey, which was an interesting <laughs> 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 was an interesting combination and it had a whole bunch of guacamole in it I'm stuffing my face with this taco I have guacamole on my hands I have like some smear on my face super graceful and he kneels down next to me and he just starts whispering I was like why are you whispering and he goes yeah I can't believe I'm saying this out loud because I didn't I don't want people to think that he was unprepared for this but he goes I don't have the ring yet it was supposed to be in But there was like something happened and it's not here, but I can't pass up this opportunity. And I was like, oh, wow. And he goes, I love you so much. Will you marry me? And I was just like, Are you serious? (laughs) He's like, Yes. And I'm like, I have guacamole all over me. Oh, my (laughs) God. Obviously, yes. Of course. Like, it's about time, you know? And, you know, Mm. we're hugging and crying and, he shouts out to our friends' van, "Guys," she said, "Yes." And our friend Trish says, "WTF, Nick? I wasn't ready." Yeah. <laughs> she runs over to our van with her camera, and she's like, "What do we even take pictures of now?" And uh, but it was it was so wonderful; it was perfect. Like I wouldn't have had it any other way.
0: Oh, we were- I love that. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's so sweet. So. That was in 2021.
1: It was 2021,
0: and then you guys set a wedding date for August, right? Of 2022. Yes.
1: We were kind of sporadic with the dates because we originally wanted to do spring, and we were like, I think we need a little bit more time. Like with the house, it's just a lot. There's a lot going on: renovating the house and planning a wedding, and yeah. trying to get everything ready. Because Nick was going to have to PCS, which is to go to a new duty station. At the end of 2022. So, like, you're getting married in 2022. A lot is happening in 2022. A lot needs to be ready. And so, we're like, let's just push it back a little bit. We'll have a little more time to plan. That way, it's like, I'll be home from deployment. I can help you with some things. And we're like, oh, that sounds great. You know, we were always like, let's not rush anything. Let's just enjoy every stage of our relationship. We really, we've really enjoyed dating each other. We really enjoyed like living together for the first time and like working through those growing And we really enjoy being engaged. And we're really going to enjoy being married. We have our whole lives yeah. ahead of us. So why rush? We don't need to rush. Like, great, sounds good. So we picked August fourth. It was a Thursday, and yeah, that's the, that's the date night in um, San Diego. It was a really yeah. pretty Italian villa that we were going to get married at.
2: Mm. That's
1: beautiful.
0: Okay, so then tell me about, I mean, I, this is always just, I'm like, I don't even know how to ask this. Tell me what happened. Yeah. Yeah. To Nick. Yeah. Um,
1: so, um, on June 8,
2: 2022, Nick was, Nick was flying his offspring with four other Marines on a routine training flight. In in San Diego, it was a normal day.
1: It was a normal flight. It was routine. It wasn't anything crazy. Something he has done a million times. Nick was a WTI weapons and tactics instructor, which
2: is basically the equivalent of Top Gun. He was probably one of the most experienced Osprey pilots in the Marine Corps. Um, if not, well, the east, the west coast, and uh, his plane went down, and all of all of the Marines passed away. Um. It it's not something that I ever thought would happen to him, it's not something anybody ever thinks will happen. I was never worried about him. Even when he was deployed, I, I never stressed. I was never anxious. I was never worried if, you know, I didn't hear from him for a little while because he was so good at what he did. He was an instructor. Uh, People
1: admired and respected him. He would always stay late at work just to help people and to help the co-pilots with their planning, flight planning, and teaching them things. He would um, he would get in arguments with people who were testing the limits of safety, um, and he would come home sometimes angry that there were people willing to take unnecessary risks in a training environment.
2: He could recite SOPs like the back of his hand. He was so smart. He was an amazing leader. He had compassion, empathy for others. He was dedicated. He was selfless. He never took time off. And he I mean, that's just him as a Marine. Him as a partner. He was my my best friend. He made me laugh. He was my cheerleader. And he was my constructive criticizer. He put me in check. He grounded me. He motivated me to be a better version of myself. He was larger than life. He walked into a room and it would instantly light up because he was there. He brought people together. He organized relationships. He
1: prioritized camaraderie in his squadron and amongst
2: his friends. He loved his family very much. He always needed a point to see them as often as he could. Um, So I lost my best friend on that day physically, but spiritually, I did it. He's still here. And yeah, and what happened? It's still under investigation. I don't know exactly what happened, um, but I know without a doubt that Nick knew exactly what he was doing until the very end. I
0: know these are really hard things to share, so thank you for thank you for sharing that, and especially like the really beautiful things about Nick and that that was so apparent as I watched that unfold in the tributes that you reposted from his friends and people that loved him that it was very clear that he was so beloved and respected like you said and that relationships were really really deep because the things that people said about him you wouldn't just say about anybody and Mm -hmm. and it was really tender to see how many people showed love you know at that time to you and and to him and his memory and so I want to go back to what you said about spiritually, he's with you. And, and I was really impressed by how much you were sharing like your faith and the scriptures that were carrying you through. And can you tell me a little bit about like some of the things that were most helpful to you
1: Yeah, I, during that time? I actually had a a friend, she's another spouse in, in the squadron. Her husband's actually not in the squadron anymore, but that's where I met them and, uh, She would send me a Bible verse almost every day um, in like the initial aftermath. And that really helped me like have that in my face. And it made me want to seek it out a little bit more because I know that God doesn't like do things to us. Like God doesn't say, I'm just going to ruin your life. I'm not going to just, like, I'm going to come in and just wreak havoc. Wreaking havoc doesn't come from God.
0: Right.
2: God allows things to happen for his glory. And God is not a waster. So I know, without a doubt, and I have to hold on to this because
1: otherwise, If I just say, like, if I just blame God or if I just, yeah, if I just blame God, then Nick's passing is going to be
2: in vain. God is going to use me through this somehow. And I am just trying to keep that open communication with God clear so that I know what to do next. Because there's work to be done. And I know that God has a plan and a purpose. And I also only see through the knot hole in the door.
1: That's my only perspective of my life, is through that little peephole in the door. But God sees the big picture. I need to just trust that. He knows what he's doing. He knew what he was doing when he brought us together. So why do we think he doesn't know what he's doing now? So I just need yeah. to trust that.
0: That's a really beautiful perspective. And so many of the things that you said, I really agree with. I mean, I agree with everything that you said, but I just think it's a perspective that also is a choice because how, you, like you said, and I, I don't judge anyone who is, does find themselves like angry with God. I can totally understand how that happens, but I think that when you choose to partner with God on these really hard things, then He can help and guide you like you were talking about, and that's yeah. really such a sacred progression in life to be able to feel like you yeah. are being led by him, so
1: and He has offered me moments of joy, right like and I appreciate those moments
2: because it's almost like God's saying. I have you. Don't worry. Like, I have you and I have him. And what a better place to be. You know?
0: Are there any moments like that that you feel comfortable sharing there that you would want to
1: share? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know how there's like the cardinal analogy when your loved ones pass away, you opted to a cardinal. It's like the red bird. Mm Mm-hmm. I hadn't really heard of that analogy until someone mentioned it to me because I feel like I have an osprey flying over me all the time, like all the time. I also live by a flight pattern. Yeah. So I hear them and I see them every single day and I will be laying in bed with my windows open and I hear them at night. And that was always fun because I would know when Nick was flying and um, I would know when he was landing. Back on Pendleton, and I could hear him flying over the house. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I would text him later, "Hey, were you you kind of close to the house or Pendleton at like 12 p.m.?" And he'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I saw you guys." And it was he and his dash too flying. And then nights when I knew he was flying late and coming home at a certain time or landing at a certain time, I'd be laying in bed and I'd hear the and like, "Oh, that's him. He's going home." So every time I'm in like a moment of doubt or like, I need a sign of like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this where I'm supposed to be? I've, I've had like, there's been an Osprey. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. And it's not just been here at my house. It's been like downtown or like in New Hampshire <laughs> or like, you wow. know, it's been other places too. And then people literally all over the world. I I have had people from Brazil, from Australia, from Germany, from Portugal, from France, from Spain, from Mexico, from Canada. I mean, literally dozens of countries messaging me purple flowers, taking Mm -hmm. pictures of purple flowers. I was on a walk with my dog and I saw this love from Spain or love from uh, Australia. And it's like, it's just I feel like it's God and it's I also feel like it's Nick just sending me these little I also have a cactus in my backyard that I've had for years like four Mm -hmm. years and the day after Nick passed it bloomed a purple flower it's never bloomed once never bloomed once so my mom took a picture of it and put it in the picture frame for me (laughs)
0: I remember reading that and thinking that was so special yeah. that you were, you, you talked about like three things that that was a thing that you guys did, like three positive things. And that was one of the things that day, or maybe that was like it was. The, the bonus thing. Yeah. There was like a bonus thing. It was Yeah, that was so sweet. I would love for you to share too, just so people can like be aware and understand. I know that you've talked also about how hard it's been being someone who is engaged to a loved one and then they passed away and that you haven't been able to receive the same kind of support and how that's something that you want to kind of make positive change for the other people that may find themselves in your circumstance.
1: Yeah. As a Marine, I'm guilty of not updating my paperwork. I, I am determined to help change the perspective and the system in the military, for starters. We have this thing called annual training, where we have to go on this database and do some online training, get some certificates, call it a day. There are people who have been in long-term relationships who very much care about the The person that they're with, maybe they have a home together, maybe they rent an apartment together, maybe they're not married yet, or maybe they have kids together, but they're not married yet. And they haven't updated any of their paperwork to reflect anything that seriously needs to be a high priority, like an annual priority at the bare minimum, an annual priority in the military. The last time Nick had updated anything was two months after we started dating, like four years ago. Yeah, a long time ago. And he's been on two combat deployments. So the fact that he, it probably wasn't on his radar because we were about to get married. So we're going to have to update it again anyway. So let's just wait till we get married. But it's not something that was pushed from my perspective from the leadership and it needs to be and that goes not just for mixed unit but literally every every military unit needs to be prioritizing paperwork and really giving their service members a clear picture idea of the risks associated with not and i'm hoping that my story can motivate people to make sure their ducks are in a row and it's not to to think negatively it's not to cast a shadow or to be morbid by any means but it's to make sure that if something happens to you what you want to have happen is what happens and the people you love are supported and get the support and help they need because I know that's what Nick would have wanted and then the other side of that is I am determined to start a foundation To help significant others of service members who pass away, whether that's in the line of duty, in action, whatever the case, there's no worse feeling than like losing your partner. And then on top of it, not being recognized as a significant person in an individual's life. That's probably been one of the most challenging things. I'm a very proud person and I don't like asking for help. Um, so that's been really challenging for me, but to finally work up the courage to ask for help only to be met with, we're really sorry for your loss, but you don't qualify for assistance from us because you were not married. Like it's heartbreaking. We were 58 days from getting married. We have a home together together we've built a life together. It's just one piece of paper that's keeping me from resources that would significantly help. I not only lost Nick, I also lost my job <laughs> in the aftermath. Yeah. Of this. So I lost my entire income and then I lost, but Nick was contributing to our relationship as well. Again, I'm a very proud person and I've, I've always been like, I want to equally contribute to our livelihood and whatever that looks like. We had a lot of, we had financial plans together. We had long-term goals and long-term plans and what we were doing and the habits that we had created together were in support of those plans and goals. And now that's gone. Yeah, I'm, I'm determined to start a foundation to help people who are in my situation. So that can look like education. What does the process look like? what decisions get made when your your service member partner passes away what documents get signed what questions should you be asking people because you have the right to ask and just to give a clear picture understanding of of what it looks like the other part of it is there are a lot of organizations out there and i, I they do wonderful work and they Have therapy programs and support groups, and group therapy, and excursions, and they have communities, and that's great. Those are all really wonderful things. I'll tell you, when when a person is grieving, they will mostly cling to their friends and their their family and the close people that they have in their life. It's likely that they won't go hang out and talk to a bunch of strangers a couple weeks or a few months after the fact. I think you really start seeing that happen after the initial grieving process kind of comes full circle. And yeah. it might be a year out. It might be two years out where they're like, okay, I think it would be really nice to connect with somebody who's been in my situation. And so those programs are wonderful, but I'll tell you the last thing someone needs the second that their partner dies is a
2: grief recovery handbook.
1: i am They're not going to read it not yeah. going to read it for a really long time. The, the immediate needs are, I, I have to book flights to go X, Y, and Z right now. Like right now I have to go. I don't know what's in my savings account, but I have to book the flights. So you have an immediate financial obligation. Assets get frozen. So it's like, well, if you have joint accounts together, the, the assets are frozen. You cannot access the account. Or if your partner is the primary account holder, there's those things like that. But then you have, what if you have kids? Do I need to get a babysitter? Or do I need to take them with me? I need to feed myself. I need to buy groceries. I still have the bills. still need to get paid. My boss doesn't want to give me improvement or they're being really difficult. And I have to take an unpaid leave of absence. So I have no income coming in and I have to pay for all these things. And I have a mortgage. I have all these things to pay for. And then. I have to leave for X amount of weeks or whatever. Who's going to cut my grass? Who's going to, you know, check my mail. You know, there are a lot of things that you need support for immediately. And I would say the financial need is the most urgent need. And to know that you have a safety net and, and something that's going to catch you and buy you a little bit of time is probably the most relieving thing. And, Honestly, I am so thankful for the spouses in 364 who who donated some funds to me and for my friends who started to go fund me. It was
2: the biggest blessing that I could like it was the biggest blessing. So that's what I want to be able to do for other people. Oh, you need someone to pay for your flights? Got it. Here's a check.
1: Or you are struggling to pay your rent because your partner is gone and they're no longer contributing to this financial obligation that you went in on together. Here's a check. That's what I really want to be able to do. Yeah. I
0: love that, that you're taking something really, really hard and challenging that you've gone through and trying to turn it into something that will help others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Kelsey, I have one last question for you. And that is, if there's one message that you want the people listening to this to remember, what do you want that one message to be?
1: Quality time. That's it. That's the one. Quality time with each other, the person that you love, or the people that you love. Everything else doesn't matter.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much, Kelsey, for sharing this really tender story and all the wisdom that you've shared. Where can people find you if they want to follow along with you or take pictures with you or anything like
1: that? Well, you can follow my page. It's Kelsey Marie. I T S K E L S -S I E Marie. I have a photography page. I started a photography business in the wake of all this. It's something that encouraged me to do. So.